Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 39 of the Rabbit Weasel podcast. And it is time to cut the out the cancer because we are talking about malignant. Okay. Uh, I'm Jared, as always, your host. I am here with my brother, Justin. Hi, Justin. What are you saying? I feel like I needed a trigger warning for you leading with that. Uh, this, was not, uh, this was not in my notes. And cutting out the cancer is... Uh, whew, is, a, is a, uh, wow. How are you doing today, Justin? Man, I'm doing pretty well. Always happy to be here. And uh, pretty excited to talk about Malignant. This is one of me, uh, Mia's favorites. And it's really fucking scary. Mm, good. So, Justin, if anybody hasn't, uh, if you're new to the podcast, Justin is my brother. What's up? And What's also me? joining me is his wife, making that her my sister-in-law, Mia. Mia, how are you? I am doing well. I'm excited to talk about the about Malignant as well. Good. Good pick. Yes, you should be excited. <laughs> yeah, as I was just, this is your pick. So, uh, why did you pick this movie, Mia? Cool. So, um, I like uh, director James Wan. I've always liked a lot of his um, movies that he's directed and produced. And I had seen like a uh, like a critics review just of like the movie of just like not like with anything with spoilers, just kind of like what their thoughts were. And the review was like it just intrigued me because it's like something no one had seen before, and you don't expect the twist. And it was just a lot. There was a lot of chatter on this movie, and I really wanted to see it. And I was not disappointed. It's great. So obviously that's a pretty positive review. Do you, you think it's a scary movie? Mm-hmm. Do I think it's a scary movie? There are parts of it that are very creepy visually. Shit's uh, scary. A little frightening. Yeah. Uh, is it like, would it give me nightmares? Probably not. I think the, just the twist and the um prosthetics and just it that that's amazing all of it was too was worth it we watched it with faith while she was visiting us our uh our uh, helpful producer and her face at the big reveal is like in real time <laughs> it was worth everything it was worth picking this movie out it was worth re-watching it her face with the big reveal oh my gosh it was so yeah, there's some good twists and turns in here. And let's just go ahead and say uh, this is a very, uh, this movie just came out last year. So we'll go ahead and have spoiler warnings up and in the air. So if you are if you haven't seen the movie yet, uh, this is another one of those films that uh, you shouldn't have anything spoiled for you. Just, just watch it. Just go watch it. Enjoy the ride. Kind of like when we talked about uh, Cabin in the Woods. You know, if you know what's coming, it's not going to be as fun. So spoiler warnings are up in the air um and uh <laughs> so justin well so first let me ask um did you did you both see this when it was neat well it's still pretty new did you see it when it first came out i saw it i think yeah when it was doing its initial run on streaming services uh-huh so um and justin i guess you've pretty much already said what you thought you'd like it for the most part yeah, I was, uh, I, yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, I'm with Mia, James Wan's great. I, I didn't remember that uh, he gave us Saul, as we were talking about earlier. And yeah, this movie reminds me a lot of Cabin in the Woods now that you say that. It's like playing up some tropes and you're like, okay, I think I know what I'm doing here. And actually we had this conversation with Faith where she like turned it off because the first time she went to watch it because the tropes were like too much for her. <laughs> um, I was like, what? You have to finish it um and so i think it does a nice job of like playing up some tropes we've seen doing a good job with it keeping you kind of guessing a little bit and then wham, i mean it just like smacks you in the face and it's it's really creepy and it's really well done and i'm very glad we're talking about it yeah so just a little bit of background information as we before we get started here uh this is, as we've already said, by James Wan, the guy behind the Saw and uh, Conjuring franchises. Um, so Insidious, um, Annabelle, The Nun, 
he also did one of the Fast and Furious movies, I think, the Aquaman movies. So this guy, he's he's a pretty big shot at this point, you know, a money-making machine, uh, which is great because that's probably the only way he could get a movie like this made, <laughs> you know, something this crazy and out there. Um, I think that's why the thing I like most about this movie is it is for a Hollywood big budget film. It really is so different. And there's a lot of stuff you don't expect in uh, this, this type of production. So it's a lot of fun. Um, now I think this film, well, I guess I, for me, it was same as Mia. There was a lot of discussion about this film online and the horror uh, message boards and stuff like that. So Usually I, I avoid new things that become a, such a huge craze, but this one I, I jumped on to give it a try. Uh, all I knew was that um, people kept mentioning Basket Case, that the director must have been influenced by Basket Case. Have you guys seen that by any chance yet, Frank Kinnenlauter? Okay. Um, when you see that movie one day, you'll understand. We'll have to get to that one. <laughs> but if people have seen Basket Case, you'll know what I'm talking about. Basket Case is about, okay, remember, we already have the spoiler warning up in the air. So if you're still listening, it's your fault. Basket mm -hmm. Case is about a kid who has a conjoined twin and he's separated at birth. Um, but he keeps his twin brother in a basket. And it's like a monstrous thing. And then it comes out and kills all the people that separated them as children. <laughs> wow. So. Yeah, you kind of see some similarities there. So I think that was probably an influence. I haven't read any interviews to see what was, but another big one I think is The Ring. I think there's a lot of The Ring in this movie. Uh, as we're talking about it, you'll see. Did you guys pick up on that or is that just me? Only in the structure of the story, I guess. It has some of the like people running around trying to figure it out kind of thing. Um that was that was what I thought of anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of that in there. We'll talk about it some as we go. Um, all right, yeah, so all I knew was that someone had heard people say that the movie was like Basket Case, which <laughs> if a mainstream Hollywood movie comes out, people say, oh, it's like Basket Case. I, I'm very curious to see what they're talking about and that it does a complete 180 and goes completely insane. Uh, at the end, not a complete 180, but it takes a big turn and goes crazy. So, all right, let's jump into Mal Malignant. All right, it starts in a long, long time ago, the year of 1993. Watch, um, watch yourself with that language. <laughs> we're at might have uh, been three, but some of us were older than that. <laughs> yeah, 1993. Um, we're at a how would you describe this place where we're at? Where does the movie open? It's like, um it's like a like an old school like it has the like insane asylum vibe to it yeah it's not it's uh they have a different term for it i think in the movie yeah we don't really know so much i don't think it tells us right at the beginning uh but we find out later it's um uh an institution for it's not very realistic it's it's one part corrective surgery one part mental institution <laughs> Mm -hmm. um the doctor specializes in what was it child corrective surgery for impairments but anyways mm -hmm. we're in some sort of institution and there's a woman filming herself she's talking about the villain of the movie gabriel gabriel yeah now she says that gabriel is getting stronger and as she's telling us that gabriel an emergency occurs right gabriel breaks out and we see very quickly <laughs> that he's not just strong he has some sort of psychic powers i guess has control over electricity which is never really explained in the movie but it's a lot of fun uh <laughs> anything electric he has some influence over so he can make lights flash on and off uh and he's going around killing the staff yay and i like this setup because um there's a lot that's shown us like we if you're paying attention, you get a lot of uh, hints like we see that Gabriel is a little kid or we think Gabriel is a little kid because we just see someone's feet, small legs being dragged. Um, they eventually do get Gabriel sedated and we go to surgery with the quote that I started the movie with. It's time to cut out the cancer. OK, then we jump to present day, um, not to go off on too much of a tangent here, but. 
it's kind of a pet peeve of mine now when you watch movies. It's always present day. Well, when we're watching this movie 20 years from now, it's go- not going to be present day. It's going to be 2020. <laughs> but um, anyway, small thing. But um, this movie takes place Easter. in Seattle. Hey, you guys are familiar with oh, Seattle. Yeah. We yeah, live here. We live here. Yeah. Is uh, does the movie remind you of Seattle at all? Anything look familiar? So I know that the actual house that they filmed them is actually in Oregon, I believe, because I looked it up because I thought I was like, oh my gosh, I'm here. We can go see it and check it out. So it's actually, I think, like in Oregon or California. It's California. But yeah. there are some like uh, views of the city. Mm-hmm. Did you get to see that we're like familiar with? And Pike Street makes a showing. Mm hmm. And Space Needle, too, right? I think is what I... Yes, I believe so. And they do the underground thing, which we haven't been to. Uh But you get to be familiar. So, like, one of the, I think, one of the cities that they're talking about was Beacon Hill. Uh Yeah. And so that there's actually right next door to where we live. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it's always nice when you see a movie and you recognize places that you've been. Yeah. Um, coming from Atlanta, you guys will also. We, we're all from Atlanta, and uh, I remember watching like The Walking Dead a little bit of that, and I would see streets that I walked down. You know, like oh, I know that traffic light. <laughs> um, so uh, this is a movie that takes place in Seattle. Is it really that rainy in Seattle? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is right now. It's the I guess like. Winter has maybe like a few more, maybe like a month, two months left. Uh, we're in February. So it does go for longer. Um, it is still wet and cold currently. Yeah. We do have some sunshine some days. Oh, sun, sun, nice. <laughs> the sun does shine some days. The rain as much as it is the darkness and the fogginess. It rains like a reasonable amount, but it's really about how many days you don't see the sun. Yeah. And, uh, we did go, we do go two weeks without seeing the sun, um, which is weird. They have often heard uh, the rise of grunge, grunge music attributed to the Seattle's weather just gets depressing after a while. You start writing sad music. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Definitely yeah. We have great coffee here, though. We have great yeah. coffee. It's the same way here at this time of the year. It's rainy, cloudy, and sometimes it gets super foggy. I'm on uh, the 11th floor, and sometimes it's hard to see the ground. It gets so foggy here. But anyways, uh, back to the movie. (laughs) So we're following Madison. Madison. Okay, so things start off pretty intense here for Madison. Um, First of all, she's pregnant. And her husband, his whole character is basically abusive asshole, right? That's pretty much all the character development he gets. Um, we, although I will say, even though he's very a one-dimensional character, some of his traits that are shown here are, I think, somewhat realistic, if you've known kind of abusive, manipulative people. Um, but we learn... They get in a fight, of course. We learn during the fight that Madison has had multiple miscarriages. Um, and during the fight, she shoves him, or I'm sorry, he shoves her, and her head hits the uh, wall really hard, causing like a putting a hole in the wall and causing some bleeding. So she locks her husband out of the bedroom and he falls asleep on the couch. And he is woken up in the night by noises in the house. Uh, first, the blender turns itself on. Um, when you have ghosts or supernatural stuff, very basic things can become scary. The blender is scary. Next, the refrigerator is scary because it opens itself. Uh, and this part, this part starts to freak me out pretty good. Um, we briefly see the back of someone's head sitting on the sofa who shouldn't be there, of course. But then they vanish. And when he starts looking around, it appears behind him and kills him. Okay. Uh, This wakes up Madison, who goes downstairs to investigate. She finds her husband with his head twisted around. It was a pretty brutal effect, too. His his neck's clearly broken. Um, Whatever the thing is, uh, appears and chases her, eventually knocking her down and unconscious. Okay. So this is the opening of the movie. Anything to say about this kind of opening scene set in present day? So 
I like the play of, you know, like as if the house is haunted or somebody's messing with him. That's always creepy to me. Like open cupboards in a house is like creepy, especially if you're the only one there. Um, But it did a good job of like creeping me out. Yeah, I, it is definitely creepy. Um, uh, and you deserved it. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, the scenes with the husband are really kind of jarring for modern movies. I think it's not like a a gore kind of thing, although there's a little bit of blood. Him uh, hitting her um, in that way when she's pregnant uh, was really. Uh, it was really horrifying to see uh, as a, as a one thing, and then like the kind of rawness of his like response was just two steps too close to things that I know and have seen and am aware of. It was like, you yeah, know, like it needed a trigger warning itself. Uh, it was it was uh, it was pretty raw, and then uh, yeah, the actual like horror shots themselves are. Uh, when the figure disappears and then when we see the husband, they're horrific. I mean, they're both really, you're, uh, yeah, they're creepy. They're disconcerting. It's done, it's done really well. Yeah. I'm with, so this, this part to me is scary. The opening part is scary. And I think the first 30, 45 minutes, of this movie are really scary around the 45 minutes hour mark is when the tone starts to change we'll talk about that later but i think the opening of this movie is really creepy because kind of like what mia said this this is the stuff that scares me like some supernatural force invading your home you know your home is supposed to be the one place where you're safe that always freaks me out ghosts and um hauntings that that's the stuff that really gets to me so yeah the opening of this movie freaks me out um <laughs> But it feels kind of like we're in a ghost story. Like here, it's kind of like the ring or the grudge. You're in the house. There's something spooky in the house. Um, it has long black hair. You know, <laughs> it appears at random and kills you. So it it definitely felt like when I was watching it, I was like, okay, this is really scary. But it's also kind of, we've seen this before, right? Um, but like, like we said, the movie does start to go in a different direction. But uh so I think the, some of what makes this so creepy is the thing. I mean, it's Gabriel. We know it's Gabriel. That makes sense. It's not a big surprise. Um, we don't know how or why, but the way he moves is so weird. And we'll talk about more about how he moves. But at this point in the movie, you're just seeing like something about the way it moves is just not right. <laughs> so that freaks you oh, out. Herky-jerky. Herky-jerky. Yeah. Herky-jerky. Yes. Uh, <laughs> So Madison wakes up in uh, the hospital to find that she's had another miscarriage, uh, despite despite the fact that her husband was just murdered and she was attacked by a monster that she saw. She decides to go back home and stay there alone. Okay, there's always (laughs) a couple of dumb decisions, but uh, there's another great freaky scene. Uh, Do you guys remember the streetlight thing? Oh, yeah. It was like someone out there and then they were just gone. Yeah. She, uh, the streetlights start flickering across the road and there's some, I love streetlights that create great uh, lighting and atmosphere. I think they're under, underutilized, like in the exorcist too, there's a great shot, but um, yeah, they start flickering, they go off and then you just see like this dark figure walking towards the house. <laughs> okay. And here I've got to say again, um, maybe a dumb decision to stay at home alone, but the first thing she does is run downstairs and lock the door. (laughs) So you're telling me after a home invasion where she's attacked and her husband gets murdered, she's staying at home alone and doesn't lock the door at night. Okay. Sorry. Little things like that can take me out of the movie sometimes. (laughs) Uh, But then nothing more happens that night. Okay. And we basically learned through her dialogue that she has a history of, um, mental illness or at least hallucinations you know she's kind of talking to herself like okay this has happened before it's all in your head it's not real um and then we meet her sister okay her sister's name is sydney i think it's only said like once or twice in the movie so we can try to remember sydney sydney the sister uh, 
Now they have an emotional discussion and this movie throws a lot at you really quickly. Um, Madison reveals, I'm not really your sister. I'm adopted. My real mom died in childbirth and I have no memories of before getting adopted when I was like eight years old. So keeping up everybody, there's a lot coming at you here. And, um, oh, we go to the underground tour of Seattle. So first off, have you guys, this is a real tour, right? You can actually go and everything they say is true about Seattle. I didn't know all that. Is that correct? Yeah, um, I'm not I think I believe I'll have to check on the whether it's true, but I believe there is a former city. Yeah, I looked into it just a little bit. Um, there is an underground tour and there was a big 25 block uh, fire that consumed uh, Seattle that they built on top of. So that part, all that seems to be true. And the way that the person tells it in the, the, the nice woman uh, that, that tells the, as the tour guide, um, I, I, what she says is, is apparently accurate. Hmm. So you guys haven't had a, haven't been on a tour like that yet? Mm-hmm. Not yet. We were going to while our friend Faith was here, but we didn't get a chance to. But yeah, hopefully, I, no. we sometimes when we're walking down and by Pioneer Square because that's where they're located, mm. um, <laughs> we'll see we'll see the tour come by and they're point, pointing out all the stuff. And so, awesome. Well, if I ever get up there, we'll have to go do that one day. It'd be really cool, especially after watching this movie, mm-hmm. see the the tour. Uh, come visit. But, yeah. Uh, well, I can't really leave the country. Well, I can leave the country. Can't might be hard to get back in right now but uh, anyways um yeah so we're doing an un- we just it feels kind of random we just cut to an underground tour uh they're walking around old seattle that's buried underneath modern seattle uh so when the tour is over this woman is basically alone by herself underground uh and she starts hearing noises and the passageway the lights down the passageway shut off and of course, again, little dumb moments. Okay, just leave, just leave, just leave. But no, hey, who's that? You can't be, you can't be here right now. Um, but something leaps off the ceiling and grabs her. And then very quickly, we see that she's chained up in an old attic somewhere. Uh, and the music, I think it plays right here. Do you guys, do you, did you recognize the song that plays a few times throughout this movie? Mm, no um that's where is my mind by the pixies um it was also at the end of fight club yeah if you watch the end of fight club it plays the same music and uh yeah it's a beautiful song good band so uh it has a lot to um i think the atmosphere of this movie whenever they use it they use the song very well which is cool um so the woman's chained up in the attic we don't know why we don't know where but we see Gabriel um, has her, and all we kind of see is the, his back, right? He speaks to her through a radio, which is a great creepy idea. Now, I have to say, um, I think his voice is a lot creepier than the uh, the one in New Year's Evil. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. My name is Evil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> great effects work on the, the the sound design here is really cool i think so Eva. my name is Eva. <laughs> we did new year's evil what was that two episodes ago go back and uh, listen to that yeah, video uh, that episode yeah, watch the movie too it's so bad and so uh, awesome at the same time <laughs> i kind of like the movie it's fun but uh, all right so gabriel's got somebody and uh, it's kind of different here we've got uh, a basically just kidnap somebody. We're not just committing murder. So there's a little more going on than just your typical vengeful ghost. Um, now- This is pissed. This is an angry ghost. Yeah. Next, we're going to go to, ah, it's Gabriel um, calls the doctor, the lady doctor from the beginning of the film. Uh, Mia, do you want to tell us about this scene here with him calling her? Sure. So he calls the doctor and quoting back to her, it's time to cut the cancer. 
So we are now in Madison's house and lights are flickering and something runs by the bottom of her steps. Madison is trying to convince herself that she's just hallucinating, but then she sees the doctor in her house. Her house transforms around her and she is now the doc in the doctor's mm -hmm. house and witnesses Gabriel murdering the doctor. Yeah. So which I think he he kills her with like a trophy, doesn't he? Yeah, just to kind of add a little more, I don't know if this is irony or not, but uh, he gets one of her, she has trophies. I guess you get trophies for being a, a surgeon. <laughs> Good job. But uh, he takes one from her. <laughs> that is, he gets a trophy from her and uses the, tro the trophies kind of like sharp and pointed and he uses it to stab her to death. And then that becomes his main weapon throughout the movie is the doctor's surgery trophy. <laughs> this so. reminds me a little bit of Viva Vendetta for some reason. And the way in which the doctors treated uh, treated V and it was like the, anyways, this reminded me a little bit of that. Yeah, I can kind of see it. Kind of a masked vigilante with a dark past. Um, <laughs> but anyways, um, all right. So what did you think about this scene the first time you saw it? Mia, what did you think was going on here? So I what I thought it was really interesting because it feels like she's sort of sleeping, hallucinating, dreaming, but everything is changing around her. Like if she was sort of like like uh, transported to the doctor's house or watching it as like, you know, like they say, like if I were a fly on the wall or whatever, she's watching this happen. It's like she's almost there. Mm -hmm. So I want to know at this point in the movie, well, you're the kind, you usually look up spoilers, but did you know much about the twist uh, when you first saw this movie or did you go into it kind of blind? No, I think, no, no, I did not. I did not because so, I remember being like. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you think was going on at this point? in the movie or did you just have no idea what you were seeing? Uh, so, no, I just had no idea. Just like she was watching. No, I had no idea. I couldn't figure it out. It's like she was being tra uh, transported somewhere else, but how I have no idea. I thought at, at this point it seemed kind of like um, paranormal. Yeah. Kind of sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, when I first, I mean, there's some things you know pretty, you know from the beginning that, okay, this is this is the girl from the beginning of the movie. She had something attached to her, obviously, that was removed. So how is this thing come back? That's what I'm thinking. It's somehow come back. Um, so, but anyway, so she's she's having some sort of, she's having visions at least, we don't know you know, how she gets to see these things, but she's seeing uh, Gabriel murder people. Now, then it happens again. It happens like three or four times, but uh, we get, uh, she sees the murder of another doctor from the hospital. So, okay, Gabriel's killing doctors. Um, and this time we get a, a slight view of Gabriel's face. And it's one thing that I think the movie does really well is it's only very slowly reveals Gabriel to us and each time you see more it's still scary so um they kind of keep that going for a long time um okay so we should stop here and mention that there are police in this movie right we have uh two main ones a man okay his name is detective Shaw and a lady whose name is detective Moss uh, anything to say about these characters did you like them <laughs> I did. I thought they had good, like, cop banter. Yeah, good cop banter. Good cop banter. Well, yeah, and, like, Moss is giving Shaw a hard time because Sydney is attractive, and there's, like, a little bit of, like, you're only listening to them because she's good-looking, and uh, uh, which is kind of great. And then they have their... Uh, they have their scene. I mean, the scene in the police department when Gabriel is doing his thing um they get they get they get that scene which is pretty great um so Spoilers. Yeah. yeah they uh yeah i think that they, they do decent 
they're decent characters. I mean, not great, but they're not. Uh, usually, cops in horror movies are completely incompetent. You know, <laughs> they're just there to be. Oh, nobody believes us. Uh, and they're kind of like that here, but uh, at least Shaw is realizes something weird is going on, and he's working really hard to solve the case. Um, but yeah, just remember we have two detectives there, Detective Shaw and Detective Moss, who are investigating the murders because, you know, the movie starts off with a murder, right? Um, so Madison and Sydney, Madison's told Sydney what she's experiencing. You know, she's having visions of these murders as they happen. Um, and so they go talk to the police. <laughs> uh, I, I always hope nothing really supernatural happens to me. Because it would suck so bad if you need to talk to the police knowing they're not going to believe you, you know? <laughs> um, and of course, they don't believe her. We, we don't believe that you're having psychic visions or whatever of this murderer. But she says, okay, well, this is the apartment where he's at. And I even know what floor he's on. So you go check. And all right, we'll go check. And sure enough, they do find the doctor's body. So when the... When the police are talking to them later, like, okay, so how did you know what was going on here? Uh, Madison goes to the bathroom, and there's a cool scene where she actually gets a call from Gabriel. She gets a phone call from him, uh, which sounds silly, but it works really well in the movie. You know, her phone rings, and she answers it, and it's him. <laughs> um, what does he do? So first off, he calls her Emily instead of Madison. Uh, and tells her she's like who are you what is this what's going on and he's like you know who i am even if the doctors told you i was just in your imagination um and she's like no i don't but then he says he's gonna kill more people and she shouts out no gabriel which of course we don't know his name yet so revealing that at least on some part of in her brain she knows him or did know him right um uh, and I, I like gabriel's sort of like um I don't know, an angry goth kid, you know, <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm so different and everyone hates me. So I'm going to make the world suffer and mess with everybody. <laughs> even He's even kind of dressed like it, but uh, uh, oh, time to go see mom. Okay. So we go see Sydney and uh, Madison's mother. And at first she isn't very helpful, but uh, she says, look, I don't know anything about you before you were adopted. All they told us was that your mother died in childbirth. Um, but when Madison asks her who Gabriel is, she shows them an old home video. Uh, Justin, you want to talk about the, the video here and what do we learn about um, Gabriel? Yeah. Do you remember? Um, well, it's creepy. It's creep the videos are creepy as fuck. Uh, yeah. just, I mean, just so we you know, highlight the theme that I found this movie creepy. Um, yeah, there's a couple different ones. I guess there's two different videos. Uh, one is, is um, when she's like sitting by a cake and one is when she's opening Christmas presents. Um, this and, is the one with the birthday or Christmas presents. Yeah. And so... Um, She's like talking to Gabriel as part of like what's going on, telling him to stop and uh, basically leave her alone. And it turns out that um, Gabriel is her imaginary friend uh, and that's all they can really make sense of at the time. And he's, there are some, it's here too. Is it here too where the, um, their mom is, is pregnant and Gabriel. that comes up a little later a little yeah, later yeah so um yeah so she's just seeing these old old the old, old videos of her and it's when um she's little and she's talking to gabriel and they just assume he's kind of an imaginary friend yeah and they're even kind of getting angry at her you know it's the typical yeah. oh i didn't do it it was my imaginary friend hey we've told you stop lying there's no gabriel uh <laughs> you know but uh, so you feel a little sorry for her. and it is creepy. It's kind of, you know, the found footage style, which um, I really like found footage movies, at least when they're done right. I think they're very creepy. 
Um, so I like that they incorporate this here without having it to be confined into that, you know, the whole movie. Um, you know, basically, all we know is, okay, as a kid, she had what we thought was an imaginary friend, or she's talking to someone who's not there, but she definitely believes it's there. Now, meanwhile, Detective Shaw learns the name of another doctor uh, because he's good at his job, <laughs> and he learns another doctor from the institution. He's like, okay, this guy is killing doctors, so we got to go find the next doctor. And he rushes there. Of course, he's too late. Gabriel has already murdered him. And to make it worse, Gabriel is still there. And he attacks Detective Shaw. But uh, the detective manages to shoot him, so Gabriel runs away, which leads to a chase through the city. Uh, a couple things I want to say here. One, we're seeing uh why gabriel a little bit more of why he moves in such a natural way it kind of looks like i don't know what did you guys first think it's explained later but what did you think at this point about the way he moves very weird it's um, just weird. very weird very jangly very yeah. um i don't know I mean, I mean gabriel at this point looks like he's a ninja <laughs> damn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a gymnast in another life where he could yeah. just like do all these damn tricks yeah and it has i mean herky jerky was what i used earlier but it is it's also like at an unnatural uh angles and unnatural pace mm -hmm. so the pace and the jerkiness of it feeling like it was in reverse or sped up or something like that was what i remember yeah, uh, to me, it looked like all his joints were broken, but he's still able to walk on them. You know, everything's just bending in a weird, uncomfortable way. And I like use the word jangly, uh, Mia. It, it kind of reminds me of the jangly man in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. We covered that one a while mm -hmm. back. You know, it just moves in that weird, unnatural way. So, but this is also where, as you mentioned, uh, the tone of the movie starts to change a little bit. We're kind of moving away from the ghost story into something different. Uh, and you get your first view of that here because as he runs away from the cop, he doesn't just run away. He like parkours down the side of the building, <laughs> like just leaping from place to place. And when I first saw that, I was like, what the hell? It's not even really scary. It's, it's kind of just funny and weird because suddenly this ghost is like leaping from ladder down the side of the side of the building. What did you guys think when you first saw that? Uh, did you laugh like me or? Yes. Uh, this movie has a lot of like really like funny moments, um, which like uh, there's like a point where the sister's like parking like right next to a cliff and then you're just like why <laughs> yeah. and then there's like when they draw they're at the police station and they draw um gabriel <laughs> and then yeah. there's like yeah there's just they're just like parts of this movie that are, that i find genuinely just really funny mm -hmm. yeah but i think it's great <laughs> I love this sort of like over the top zaniness. Uh, I don't know if it was supposed to be funny or not. So either they did a really good job or they failed. I'm not sure. But either way, it's entertaining. Uh, <laughs> because, uh, you know, it starts off really scary. And then Gabriel becomes, well, I think Gabriel's still scary throughout the rest of the movie. But then he becomes more like, um, you know, he reminds parts, what's coming in this movie, it starts to remind me of Kill Bill. You guys remember Kill Bill? Did you see that movie with Uma Thurman, the Quentin Tarantino movie? Yeah, he becomes sort of like a ninja, you know, like he's Bruce Lee or something. But okay, so it's that, resolution we'll get later. I mean, it doesn't yeah. make any sense that he's a ninja. Yeah, it also reminds me of. So I grew up. My dad was like a big Jackie Chan fan, uh, um, fan. And it reminds me a lot of like the Jackie Chan like moves when he's like, oh. you know, that are just like, where just like he's doing like these crazy balancing acts, balancing on like some kind of like bamboo sticks or like a bus, yeah. like, you know, just that's what it reminds me. Yeah, he becomes like a ninja. And no, it doesn't make any sense. But from this part here on out, don't don't try and make too much sense of things. Just have fun. Okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, we still have some more creepy stuff. Uh, Okay, so the chase, back to the plot, the chase leads deep under the streets and buildings of Seattle, 
where Detective Shaw eventually uh, is attacked again, but survives. Um, he's attacked by Gabriel, but he survives. Now, I just want to point out there's a great shot here that I love when we're underground and we're wondering where Gabriel is. And it cuts to a shot from up above and Gabriel is laying on top of that carriage waiting to jump down. Do you remember that, that shot? Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. I thought that was great and creepy because this is the first time we get kind of a decent look at his face and you just he's just there suddenly in your camera and you're like oh my god what is that <laughs> um yeah. there's 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 some good moments in this film yeah uh, like, i'm not sure given what happens later why the detective is able to survive gabriel um and well <laughs> i guess gabriel just gets stronger that's that's what we're supposed to go with, but it does seem a little strange. But um, yeah, cop should be dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, should he should be, be dead. dead. But uh, so okay, so now the detective knows he's dealing with something strange, right? So he goes and talks to Madison, tells her everything he's um, everything he's figured out in his research, and he convinces her to talk to a hypnotherapist who works on unlocking repressed memories okay so you know something about this guy we need you to remember <laughs> so we see one of madison's memories as a child ah here it is oh yeah and justin uh, since you wanted to tell us about it earlier we go okay so we go into madison's memories and this is the birthday the cake one justin you want to tell us about it it's disturbing yeah yeah it's disturbing i mean uh, basically, her imaginary friend Gabriel is talking, uh, has like, I guess, convinced her to go into the room with a knife, but she kind of thinks she's cutting a cake and she's actually then standing in front of her mother. Um, yeah. And it like, it's like this sense of like, oh shit, she doesn't know what she's doing kind of, kind of moment. Mm -hmm. yeah she's um gabriel tells her i got a surprise for you and she goes in gets a knife and she's like that's your birthday cake go ahead cut up a slice of your birthday cake <laughs> and it cuts to and it's actually her adopted mother um who is very pregnant so gabriel's trying to get her to cut into her stomach yeah uh <laughs> it's really disturbing and there's always just something Without all the supernatural stuff, um, you know, just the scene of her standing there over her mom while she sleeps, while she's holding a knife. I can't think of it. There are very few things creepier than if you like woke up and saw someone standing there with a knife, especially a child. Not attacking you, just standing there looking at you. Um, that's the disturbing. over the radio are pretty fucking creepy. And like the ability to manipulate electricity, those things are pretty, pretty creepy too. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a, that's a memory that is unlocked. Great job. No wonder she repressed that. Um, maybe some memories should be repressed. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> we cut back to the woman tied up in the attic. Okay. Remember her at the beginning of the movie? She disappears for a while. Um, she gets, she manages to get free and falls down. But from the underground, right? The underground tour host. Yeah, this is the, the underground tour host who was kind of kidnapped and tied up at the beginning of the movie. So uh, now she manages to get free while Gabriel's not there, but she falls through the ceiling of where she's at. Now, Mia, you want to give us uh, one of our mini twists here? Uh, where is she and what a, where is she? She falls through the ceiling. She falls through the ceiling and she falls, I believe, in between the cops and Madison and her sister Sydney because she yeah. right into Madison's living room yeah so this whole time she has been in Madison's attic okay um now what else do they find there they don't just find her they also find um the Gabriel's jacket his fancy little gloves that he likes to use and the murder weapon yeah so it's like, okay, um, there's a missing woman who was tied up in your attic, and you have the killer's clothes and his weapon, so you're under arrest, <laughs> which makes perfect sense, right? Uh, 
Even the so, cops maybe can figure that one out. Yeah. I kind of like that twist. Like, oh, she was up in Madison's attic the whole time. It makes sense. Um, now, but before you start thinking, at this point in the movie, you could think that Madison is, maybe she's just crazy. Um, if you were paying attention at the beginning of the movie, no. But you could think that, oh, she's the killer and she just has like a dual personality or something. But uh, when she's being investigated by the detectives, the lights explode, and then Gabriel calls the detectives on the phone and talks to him on speakerphone. Which sounds silly when I say it out loud, but it's a pretty creepy little scene, you know, hearing, uh, especially because, you know, Madison is sitting right there. You know, this can't be a trick. They're looking at her while they're talking to him. <laughs> um, all right, we're getting close to, we're about two thirds of the movie through, but now things start happening really fast. So uh, Madison is placed in a holding cell with several other very rough looking women. Um, <laughs> that's very polite uh, yeah now, I also love that there's like one lady that wears is like wearing 70s attire <laughs> yeah I was about to say it like Foxy Brown or something yeah, yeah she looks like she walked off the set of a black exploitation movie yeah it's <laughs> for some reason um, so yeah good luck good luck in there uh, but now, here's, here's where part of why this movie kind of reminds me of The Ring. It's like, okay, time to go to the institution where you were as a kid and investigate what happened. Uh, so Sydney goes there, and she finds, she finds a VHS tape, and we have another big reveal. Uh, Justin, I'll let you take this one. Who is the woman in the attic? It's her mother. Her, like biological mother she's not dead um she had given her up um for <laughs> what turns out to be uh probably pretty good reasons if there was ever a, a a decent reason to give up a child so they um this is really creepy i don't know that i'm gonna be able to do it justice either but we basically learned that gabriel is uh, like a twin parrot. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, come on, quit. Oh, that's gross. Me. You can't see it, but she's Mia good. is imitating Gabriel uh, in the background. Uh, oh. His little oh. arms. Uh, uh, so don't go. <laughs> okay, so we're watching another tape. And what does the tape show? Uh, us? Come on, come on, get out of me. Ah, come on, Gabriel. Stop. Uh, uh, so yeah, I mean. The, the basics are that Gabriel is a parasitic twin that like took a physical manifestation. And when the doctor was talking about cut out the cancer, they were trying to cut out Gabriel and they like really reduced Gabriel's physical presence to very, very, uh, very small amount, like whatever could fit inside of her head. But he was still there as like a personality and as like a domineering force and uh, because they're so like connected, they weren't able to like excise the personality, even though maybe this fucking chicken arm things in the wrong <laughs> direction. And so I, you know, I guess this ends up with him turning to to Madison's body uh, to rely on it for locomotion. But it also seems like maybe he was dormant um, until that fucking horrible boyfriend was like beating beating her yeah um, so uh, he had gone away but anyways i think i'm gonna be going too far yeah so this is where i mean i i was enjoying the movie at this point but this is where i was like just giddy i was giddy because uh, <laughs> i'm like yay look at the little monster on the back of her head oh and it has arms and legs and <laughs> um, i just loved it and uh, because you've known, like, okay, so Gabriel was, I mean, it says from the beginning of the movie, we go into surgery. So this is something that's growing on her, probably a twin or something like that. But when you actually get to see it and it's like screaming and it has powers over electricity, uh, great stuff. Um, so, and again, it's all done in that sort of found footage style where it's just them recording in the institution. I love it. But um, yeah, like you said, they try to, okay, we're done with this thing. It's getting too dangerous. We can't completely remove it um, because they have a connection deep, deep inside the brain. So we'll take out everything we can. 
without killing her, basically. And it works for about 20 years or so. Um, well, almost 30 years. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, I just want to emphasize again how much I love the parasitic, parasitic twin growing out of the back of her body. It's really cool. <laughs> um, but um, okay, now, if things haven't gotten weird enough for you yet, it's time to go full crazy, okay? You thought maybe that was the weirdest highlight of the movie. And in most movies, that would be the, the weirdest part. But the older women, um, I'm sorry, the other women in the cell with Madison start harassing her because, of course, they do. This leans, leans, leads to them just assaulting her brutally, okay? Um, and we get to see this triggers her. Well, Mia, you want to take it from here? This is one of the most famous parts of the whole movie, what happens next in the jail cell. I do. That's one of my probably favorite parts. Yeah, the whole like, scene, the jail scene is amazing. Is one of the most amazing things I've seen in a while. Uh, so she rips the back of her head open and <laughs> revealing Gabriel's face pushing through the back of her head <laughs> uh, i'm making the motions right now <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we learn gabriel moves and why he moves in such a weird way he reversed reverses her joints and runs around backwards right <laughs> and then gabriel starts just basically slaughtering all the prisoners in so many different ways he breaks out and continues to massacre the entire police station and during this time madison begins to realize she's under his control because you see a glimpse of her and she's just hate she fit she thinks she is still in the cell with everybody just waiting yeah it's just her hallucinating yeah so one thing we've learned is that gabriel can um when he takes control he makes her believe she's just doing normal things, right? So she doesn't realize anything's wrong. Um, but there's a point during while this is all happening that she's starting to catch on. Okay, wait a second. I'm not in control. Something's different here. Gabriel must be in control. But yeah, I, I don't know. They just can't say enough about this, this scene. It just goes completely over insane. Um, what I think someone's head gets stomped on bones get pulled out of the body i think eyes get gouged just gabriel just goes nuts and it's all done in this super like ninja way like kill bill or the matrix you know <laughs> it's like what the hell is going on uh so over the top i i thought it was so great when he started doing his little disconjointing thing i'll just yeah. Oh my god, what am I watching? Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, and if you haven't figured it out by now, there's he's still there and he's sharing her body. So the whole movie, it's actually been her, but it's just when Gabriel takes over, kind of a fight club, hey, more fight club references, thanks. But yeah, when he takes over, he grabs the back of her skull and pulls it open, pushing his weird little fetus face out. And... Um, breaks all of her bones backwards so he can move her he's her but she's moving backwards right so that's why he moves so weird uh great stuff and the whole time her face is still there on the backside, just completely blank you know uh, justin what did you think about this scene when you first saw it it's creepy as fuck man this movie's creepy um I think the the gore isn't really as unsettling to me because, I mean, for listeners, we have seen some some gore. Yeah. But it's the like something like controlling your mind and ripping itself out of the back of your brain, and it's a little mini skeletor version. Yeah. But the opposite sex controlling you is just it's just terrifying. <laughs> We do a good job of like it's not ever explained why, but Gabriel has like these superhuman powers. Their body together has superhuman powers. We don't know why, but um, the way in which that's executed on the screen is is really creepy. I think. I mean, I I really like the scene. Yeah, that's where, why I said you just kind of have to let some things go. Uh, like you can accept, okay, there's a dual personality because of a uh, a parasitic twin or a conjoined twin, something like that, but. 
it makes no sense at all why Gabriel has supernatural powers or why her body becomes super strong, why she becomes a ninja, uh, why she heals from this every time. Yeah, why her joints return back to normal. Like, <laughs> yeah, none of that makes any sense at all. Mm. Um, it made me think of like, well, then what was he like? What was attacking her at the beginning? Right? Was- so I, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of it is open to discussion but um i think a lot i read that that's supposed to symbolize gabriel breaking out you know like um um yeah or maybe some of it is yeah yeah there's stuff that's not fully explained for sure but it's a lot of fun along the way i don't care i take it (laughs) yeah again i just (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when this scene happens you kind of know like oh boy he's transforming inside a cell things are getting crazy i w- was surprised at just how far they went with it uh with him just slaughtering everybody and then when you think he's done he breaks out and slaughters all the cops too and there's a shootout and he's dodging bullets and killing all the cops um and in the end there's only our two main detectives are the only ones still alive uh, there's another third cop that I just kind of skipped over. She's mostly there for comic relief and doesn't come to too much. But um, anyways, Detective Moss gets slit in the stomach. So she's not going anywhere. Um, But um, so Detective Shaw goes to the hospital uh, where Madison's mother is. They know, okay, he's going to be going for her next, right? Um, Sydney, Madison's sister, has also gone to the hospital and... She's very quickly attacked by Gabriel. Now, um, there's some weird stuff that happens here at the ending. Gabriel's mother almost stops him by giving this little emotional speech about how she's sorry and she shouldn't have abandoned him and everything. Um, But then the detective Shaw comes in and shoots him, which sends him back into a rage. So he kills Sydney and his mother. But then, uh, yeah, at this point in the movie, I think maybe they just did some speed or something and just started writing because he goes all over the place. He kills Sydney, he kills his mother, but then Madison finds new strength within herself. There's this weird scene that takes place inside of her mind where she confronts Gabriel and literally imprisons him. <laughs> um, and we also see that she is taken over so that ending we saw uh back up a little bit the ending didn't actually happen she was making him hallucinate now and he hasn't actually killed his mom or uh his mother yet so gabriel's in prison he says one day i'll get out madison hugs her sister (laughs) i love you and that's the end of the movie (laughs) okay what did you think about this whole ending scene where gabriel comes to the hospital um the, and all the twists and turns uh i really like i like that it was a there was a twist that it wasn't really gabriel at you know uh i mean there are some things that you can judge like how did she quickly was able to do that when she came during the whole time but you know i'm not gonna pick that in because i loved it and i enjoyed the ending um there are some things to be you know discussed but i enjoyed it I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Um, <laughs> they, they do keep they do keep messing with the audience all the way up until the end, and uh, that's okay. Marvel does that. You can do that and do that well. Um, it is a little annoying, and it's thrown at you in some ways that are, yeah, I guess just annoying. Um, but it all it's it's a cool little twist at the end. I mean, I didn't see the parasitic twin coming. I thought she was just losing it, you know, kind of like splitting in her own mind. And this ending fits well with that, right? I mean, she's able to kind of go in psychologically and control her demons through manipulating the demons and the audience. I mean, it's, it's okay. I'm okay with it. And I like that, you know, there's no need for Sydney to die. She was just being helpful the whole time. She didn't need to die. And the mother, well, she doesn't deserve to die for being a horrible mother. I mean, you know. Well, and really, the 
Okay, let's let's in defense of the mother a little bit. Uh, we kind of skipped over some of what we learned about her. She was 15, um, mm-hmm. and she was raped, and her mother was telling her it was an abomination and wouldn't help her raise the child. So I don't think it's too much that uh, you know she gave up the kid. But uh, you know, this of course, basically Gabriel's whole complex is he feels abandoned and he's jealous. You know, he's abandoned by his mother. He was kind of abandoned by Madison, too. That's why he wanted Madison to kill Sydney before she was born, because she wanted he wanted her uh, to only depend on Gabriel. Right. I'm your only friend. I'm important here. Um, But, uh, yeah, I think the ending, it does happen kind of suddenly. It took me out of the movie a little bit that like uh, I'm in control now. Okay, that came out of nowhere. Maybe if they had built that up a little bit more throughout the movie, um, but everything's happening so fast, and we only really find out what's. It's like we find out what's going on, and then she finds the power to stop it, and then the movie's over, you know. Um, but uh, oh, yeah. So it's it's a lot going on, but I I enjoyed the movie. I think there's there's definitely some things where you can't think too much. But I was really happy to see such a big Hollywood film go this crazy, you know, and take so many risks. Uh, Unfortunately, it didn't really work out for them because the movie didn't make money. It actually lost a couple million dollars, which makes me really sad. I really wish this movie had been a huge success and we got all kinds of crazy stuff after this. Um, But I'm glad that it at least got made, you know. Uh, Props to James Wan for using his... um, you know, he's his kind of throwing his weight around and getting something different done instead of just making more and more of the same stuff, you know? So I saw these numbers, and the way that I saw them reported were box office numbers. And this was at the end of last year, right? It was, And it was also released on HBO Max at the same time. Mm. Does that, do they have any way of counting that for movies during the pandemic that are like uh, co-released as streaming services? Because I feel like, it only made like 30 million or something in box office, but this had a larger cultural kind of influence. I felt like than the, I mean, it was like really pushed on some of the streaming services and yeah. Uh, so yeah, to give everybody some explanation there, this movie was supposed to come out in theaters earlier, but then the pandemic hit. And so later on, it still got released in theaters in the hype, you know, during the middle of everything, but it also got released, I think simultaneously online. Streaming? We watched it. I mean, I believe it was. No, it it. So I believe it gets a release first on streaming for like thirty days, and then if you don't watch it within that thirty day window on HBO, then you have to wait. Um, I can't remember if it's like a month or forty five days, and then you can rent it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope I hope you're right, Justin, and that was taken into consideration. I'd be interested to know. I mean, you can look it up. I just didn't yet um how many people streamed how many people signed up for an hbo account to watch it because um i'm sure that was a significant amount this movie did get a lot of discussion uh but i wish it had been like just a huge success you know but uh really like it. it's really good I and mean, it's really creepy and yeah I like to see when someone that can be creative and a good director can get to play with stuff that they normally would be like, nah, that's mm-hmm. too crazy for your general audience. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, it's not, we don't want to do that. We want to play it safe. And I think James Wan created something pretty amazing with this movie and I liked it. Yeah. Um, I, I like that it is kind of like a, you know, we talked about Basket Case. It is kind of like an 80s exploitation film just done with a huge budget <laughs> you know uh, uh there's there's so much in this movie that i would not have expected to see in a modern hollywood horror film and it just keeps giving me more and more and i really like this movie i think we, we've already discussed pretty much the flaws um but it's really fun and especially if you don't know what's coming like if you go into this movie just thinking Okay, so if you could look up the plot line, it just says a woman has visions of murder and realizes they're horribly real or something like that. Well, that tells you nothing about this movie, and <laughs> you're going to be really surprised with the directions that it goes. So I think it's fun. 
Um, all right. Anything else to say about Malignant? Did we cover it all? Did I we think we mostly covered it all. There are some funny humorous parts that I really enjoy because I don't think... I think the movie doesn't take itself too seriously too as well. Like when um, when Gabriel throws the chair at the two cops, that's a pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really hilarious. And just, I think it's just, the movie is a lot of fun and I highly recommend everybody to check it out. Yeah. And I think at the beginning of the movie, it actually kind of tells you the whole thing. Like you're yeah. paying attention. So for me, most of the twists weren't that much of a surprise. Uh, two reasons. One, I was paying pretty close attention during that first scene. Um, so, and also someone had said, oh, this movie is kind of like Basket Case. So I knew, oh, okay, there's, there's obviously a, a, some sort of deformed twin that gets separated or something. Um, but uh, yeah, the scene where she... Gabriel has two cops that survives and instead of just going over there and killing them, he just picks up a chair and throws it at them and knocks them down. Um, yeah. All right. So we recommend this one? <laughs> it sounds yeah, like uh, I liked it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know what all you, all the people on the, uh, everybody was arguing about this movie for a while. I, I don't know what everybody was complaining about. It's fine. Um even watching it again, you know, the opening part of the movie is still really creepy. I think even knowing what's coming, it's creepy. Um, I like that it gets so crazy at the end. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the rabid weasel seal of approval. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, coming up next for um, uh, our next episode will be episode number 40. And for episode number 40, we are going over 40 years into the past, 1980. Uh, This will be my pick. John Carpenter's The Fog. You haven't? Really? I could have sworn I made you guys watch The Fog at some point. But yeah, John Carpenter's great. 80s Carpenter is great. The Fog is really good film. So, all right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed. Thanks for listening. Come back in next time, and uh, we'll talk about John Carpenter's The Fog. All right. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.